Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brewaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're chatting with some of our other work friends from across our country who are part of the Youth Unlimited YFC family. We'll hear their stories, why they do what they do, and how they're furthering God's kingdom in Canada. So bundle up and go for a walk, make some hot chocolate, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Jay Lawrence, who runs an awesome basketball program in London called Compass Basketball. He has some amazing stories of his life in South Africa and England and Canada, and we're just so excited to hear his heart. We know you'll enjoy it. Well, uh, here's your official welcome now that we're finally recording. So thanks so much for joining us today, Jay, on the show. We're like, yeah, pumped about this. Like we said, you weren't necessarily uh, supportive of what Grant (coughs) says, but Grant has just spoken so highly of you. So (laughs) the infamous voicemail Jay is now on the show with us. So we're excited. (laughs) All right. So we always like to start off the show with some fun facts just to get to know some things about you. So we're just going to ask you some things a little bit random, but uh, to get to know some things. So uh, first off, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in... The most beautiful city in the world, uh, Cape Town, in South Africa, right on the uh, the the tip of Africa. Uh, yeah, that's where I grew up and, and lived uh, all of my all of my childhood. Mm, it is beautiful. We went to Cape Town in two thousand nineteen, actually. So no, yes, okay. yeah. So we. Uh, were there just a couple years ago. We were in like Namakaland yeah, okay. uh, when we actually stayed there, but we got to spend a couple days in Cape Town. So it was pretty cloudy okay. when we went, but it was yeah. just beautiful. So and you went like, to Namakaland? Yeah. Like, sorry, like for for me, that's like so random. Like that's it'd be like it'd be like moving <laughs> going to Canada and going to Liswell before Toronto. You know what I mean? Like it's uh... yes, I <laughs> I think that's probably true. So. Um, I don't know if you're, if you've ever been connected with, there's a couple named EJ and Cuckoos who they used to run YFC okay. in Botswana and then they both work for YFC Africa and they moved back to South Africa and she, she lives in, is it Kamiskruen? Kamiskruen, like the Africa, is that mm-hmm, an Afrikaans what it's called. name? You're just pronouncing it slightly <laughs> yeah. different to, uh, that's Yeah, I know. I was a little bit nervous <laughs> to say it. <laughs> That's funny. I wasn't going to help you out on that one either. I will leave you alone on that one. Wow, that's really cool. So you've been, yeah, Cape Town is beautiful, best food, best like beaches, mountains. Like it's, it's the best. It is the best. That's really cool that you've been to South Africa. Nice. Yes, it's mm -hmm. on my bucket list to go again and go to spend some more time in Cape Town. It would be awesome. So, uh, what is your like ideal day? Man, it's a tough one. Um, but I mean, generally, like, I mean, an ideal day is um, no rushing, like no rushing from whatever it is, like place to place. Um, uh, I would say just like with my family, with my kids uh, playing, um, being outside and the sun has to be shining. Like that's that's a non-negotiable Um but I would say just, yeah, just being with my family, with my kids playing, um, food would be like the crucial element. Um, so it would be, I'd actually probably like to cook. Like if it was an ideal day, like I'd cook, but I'd have time to cook. 
Um, and it'd probably be like in, yeah. in South Africa, we, we braai, which is like, it's barbecue, basically. You probably would have uh, heard about that. We, we take it pretty seriously. Like there's actually a national braai day. Um, but yeah, it would be, it'd be, yeah, it'd probably be braaiing or barbecuing, uh, sunshine, the beach to end it off. Like that would be like ideal day, ideal day. And if there was a game on later on on TV, like that would, that would finish it off. <laughs> Just uninterrupted. So I'm hearing a lot of sunshine and beaches. So my question is, how are you feeling about the current weather? <laughs> More like, how am I not feeling? Um, it's yeah. I mean, I, I think like we like obviously the winters. It, it's real here. Like it's legit. Um, I was talking to my sister yesterday, actually, uh, in South Africa, and like was saying. She lives in Johannesburg, which I don't like to talk about because um, we're from Cape Town. But she uh, she <laughs> said like their winter is like 20, like 20 degrees is winter for them. So I was just I didn't even have to say anything. I just kind of had a moment of silence on the phone. Um, but like this winter hasn't been too bad. Like I think the first proper snowfall was like a few weeks ago. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. like I, most years I'll be like, yeah, it's OK. And then you get to like the 22nd of February and then you're just like okay like let's let, let let's move on but I to be honest like I've gotten used to it like I quite appreciate it like I think I realize like you can still be outside and you can still be active outside but it's it's not the same <laughs> but like we yeah I've gotten used to it I've gotten used to it I don't and my kids like to play in the snow <laughs> snowball fights building snowmen igloos apparently is the, the new thing that they they like building um so uh yeah yeah gotta embrace it we're here we might as well embrace it yes that's right i'm doing my best to continue embracing it it's not my favorite so uh that's fun okay this is one of my favorite questions to ask people and that's if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be uh, good question. I, I've thought about this before. I mean, I, I think, like, one of them is an easy one. Uh, it'd actually be my dad. Um, like, my dad passed away um, about 15 years ago. Um, and so, yeah, like, I never really got to talk to him much as an adult. Um, not that I'm much of an adult now, but he would be one. Um <laughs> Another one would be, I guess I'm going to stay local again. I'm going to go Trevor Noah uh, just because, uh, like, like he's funny, first of all. Like, you have to have someone, like, you got to have someone funny at the table. Um, <laughs> and just, like, some of his stories and some of his, like, I've read his biography, too. Like, uh, I can relate a lot to it um, growing up in South Africa. And so he'd be another one. Um, I guess I have to go deep now so that I can... Uh, mix it up with Trevor um uh, yeah it'd be it'd be can I give you like a few that I'd be on my my next like I'd consider like on my waiting list so on my waiting list I think I'd have three people (laughs) one of them is slightly controversial so I'll explain it first so the controversial one would be Michael Jackson and the reason why I just kind of really want to see like who is this guy like who is he really you know what I mean like we Mm. we've heard so much like 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 obviously brilliant musician but you know his story is like what do we you know what do you do with that and so like part of me would be like i just want to know for Mm -hmm. myself like who is he really um he'd be on the waiting list 
And then Jurgen Klopp would be on my waiting list. So you're probably going, who is Jurgen Klopp? Jurgen Klopp is a, a, a football or soccer a coach, soccer manager for Liverpool, who was like my childhood <laughs> soccer team. And he is like... He's just like uh, he's charismatic. He's like the kind of the life of the party. Like he he's great with the players. Like he has such a great relationship and a lot of stories. I'm reading his uh, biography now of him too, and just just how he got on with people. Like besides being this tactician, he just he just knows people and people like him and people want to be around him. So he'd be on my waiting list. And then my last one would be. Um, Again, I'm gonna go local. Uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, just growing up, you know. Even like it was, you know, uh, yeah. You know, the other day I was reading something about him, and I was just kind of just remembering like my childhood in South Africa, and just I mean, he was always in conversation. Like I remember watching the day he was released. Like like the day he was released. Like we watched that on like normal TV. It wasn't like on CNN. It was like on the TV, you know, and like, and, uh, mm. and that wasn't that far from where I lived, you know, um, like when he was at Paulsmore prison, like that's not far from, from like literally 15 minutes from where I grew up and, uh, where he, another prison that he was at in South Africa, uh, in Cape Town, sorry, like I actually, you know, I'd visited there before. So it's, um, yeah, it's just a great man. Um, but also just to know, like, like, he probably told jokes. Like, I'd want to hear him tell jokes. You know what I mean? Like, I'd want to hear, like, what he liked to eat, you know? Um, mm. Yeah. Random. Um, but, yeah, those are... Uh, actually, he wouldn't be on the waiting list. He'd be in. Like, he'd be in three. Like, no, I can't put Nelson on the waiting list. Like, that's <laughs> that's disrespectful. He'd be in. He'd be in. 100%. <laughs> so, it'd be my dad, Trevor Noah, and Nelson Mandela. So, all, all local, all South Africans. Mm. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's neat, kind of your South African representation. So I love that. Uh, if you were not working at YFC, what would you be doing? I'd probably be in the sunshine. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, good question. Um, I think, like, I remember when I was at school and you do those, like, personality tests so kind of you know do those tests about like what we did when I was in high school like what kind of things you might do and I always had um I had uh three kind of areas that always came up uh one was like working with with people and like almost like uh Mm. social work I guess one was uh like being in a business like uh like running a business and my, my dad actually ran his own business like he was an entrepreneur I guess um and then the other one was like being in <laughs> politics <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so what are those three I mean I think um I think like you know like I think just being in business I think like part of being in you know ministry in brackets is like just just learning how to be around people like how to um yeah just how to treat people and I think uh as I've watched kind of, you know, people in business and or family members or people that I know, like a lot of it is just like how you treat people um, and, and making those shrewd decisions or, you know, making a profit, all that, like it kind of comes after learning how you treat people. And so uh, that'd be my, that's the long version of a short question you asked. <laughs> no, Apologies. Uh, so aside from those fun facts, we're just going to give it over to you. Just tell us a little bit more about yourself, whatever you feel like you want to so, share. Yeah. Like so, I mean, JJ. for me, uh, like I said, I grew up in South Africa. Uh, my childhood was there. Um, pretty, 
in, in some ways normal or what I thought was normal. Um, you know, what I didn't realize was that the world that I live in was completely not normal and not right. You know, like when I grew up in South Africa, it was towards the end of uh, apartheid, which was, uh, you know, a system of living that at the time in South Africa, the government segregated people and you lived separately. And so, you know, I lived in a neighborhood with only, you know, black or in, in South Africa, we have, and Yainsley probably would have seen or heard about, you know, in South Africa, we have a, a people called colored people, and that's not a derogatory term, like that's mm-hmm. um, a kind of a group of people. And so my, my culture, I guess, are, are colored people. And so like in our neighborhood, like, there was no white people, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, like, uh, there was so many, so many memories I have of things that happened. Like the other day, I was telling actually, uh, some of my players uh, a story, um, of when we were like we were going on on holiday somewhere and we were had to stay overnight on the way to the place we were driving to and we stopped in this like small town um kind of like in the middle of nowhere and uh, i remember i just remember like going into this restaurant and with, so it was my my mom and my dad my sister and like we weren't allowed to go in like they said we have to go out and like we'd have to go around the back if we wanted to get food um and I, I, yeah, I, I remember like, and I, as an adult, actually, like I, I'm getting back more and more memories of things like that. And I just realized that like, I didn't understand it at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, so like growing up through that, as much as it's a beautiful country and it's the most amazing place and the most amazing people, like at that time too, like it was a country that, uh, you know, taught people how to hate and how to... Um, yeah, like how literally how to stay separate, and so my childhood was uh, was interesting one. Um, I think so. I I grew up towards the end of apartheid, and so when I was at school, that's when uh, schools opened up and schools changed. So that meant that you know uh, that black kids and white kids could go to the same school, and and in South Africa, everyone pays for school, so it could be the the difference between paying like five dollars a month for school or paying um, $1,000 a month for school. But, like, everyone pays for school, regardless of the school. And so when the schools opened up, I think that was 1990... Oh, man, 1992, maybe? Um, You know, it meant that, like... So the school that I ended up going to, which was a previously all-white... Like, all-boys white school, um, (laughs) was interesting. Um... So I would say, like, if it was a school of, like, 600 or 700 boys, um, I don't know. I think in the first year there was maybe 20 of us who were not white. Um, So that's interesting. Um, I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I've, you know, more and more memories kind of keep coming back of things that happened or or didn't happen. Um, And so, yeah, that allowed me to see the world in a different way. It allowed me to see... Um, like genuine hate allowed me to see, uh, yeah, just just a, a part of the world or a part of life that you don't want that you want to protect people from seeing, um, or that I would, you know, mm. do anything to protect my children from experiencing. Um, but I, yeah, like I'm not, you know, like I'm not talking about it as in something where. I uh, wish I didn't grow up there or that I wish I didn't go through. Like, I'm actually grateful for going through that because it allowed me to see 
the world and um, it allowed it allowed me to see how hopefully how to treat people um, and what it means to like exclude exclude someone um, and uh, yeah and so you know even within family dynamics um, it's uh, yeah it was it was interesting and so it's amazing that even in that context and in within you know the madness that was part of South Africa at that time that like I have so many like beautiful and great memories like of laughter and joy and fun and and things in the midst of that you know and I think that's what makes um yeah that's kind of what makes it beautiful I think I think uh and so anyway um yeah that's kind of the backdrop of of how I grew up and I think that even now um you know living in in Canada and, and before living in England I think that allowed me to to adjust quicker, to be honest. Um, I, I learned very quickly how to be, a, uh, yeah, almost a chameleon where you kind of have to adjust how you are to fit in. Um, like I literally had to do that um, going to school uh, every day. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, you know, I think as an adult, like it, it allowed me, yeah, I just, I think I just learned to adjust quicker and learn to uh to just kind of speak up for myself and to, um, yeah. And, and so I think that, um, you know, one of the things that my, my parents did for us, which I'm, th I'm really thankful for is we traveled. Um, so even during apartheid, like my, you know, uh, my dad had his own business and, and, and things were hard, but like he worked really hard to, to be successful. And so we actually traveled. So I had, I had cousins that lived in the U S um, and so when I was in school, like in elementary school, like we, we came to the States on a vacation. Um, we went to Europe, like we traveled through Europe when I was like, I think 10 years old. And I remember like for, a, for a month, we, we traveled through Europe on the, it's called the Euro rail. So you basically go through Europe on a train and you would stay somewhere. And then overnight you would wake up in Rome or wherever. And so again, living in the context I did in South Africa, but then being able to see the rest of the world and kind of going like, okay, like the rest of the world isn't necessarily like this, like there is something else. So I think that allowed me to like, mm. to, to know that what I saw back home, there was more to it, that there was more to life, there was more to the world. And that wasn't, um, that I can't be limited to that. And I don't know if my dad did that on purpose. Like if he knew that that's why he wanted us to travel, like, that's why I'd like to have him for dinner to ask him if I'm honest. Um, but I really, I realize now, like now that I'm, I'm old. Um, yeah. That, that when, when you can travel and when you can see other things and meet other people, like you start to realize that your world is much bigger. Um, and so, uh, yeah, sorry, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm waffling too long on a, on a simple uh, question, but, um, yeah. Sorry, I turned 40 no, last year, so great. now I reflect all the time. Like, I've just become, like, this other person. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so I grew up in South Africa. Mm. Um, uh, kind of a pivotal moment, I guess, in our lives was, uh, you know, I lived in this perfect family and then, uh, you know, and kind of grew up in church, too. Um, our family were, like almost like the Sopranos in our church, like everyone knew our family, um, like our extended <laughs> family were all very involved in the church. Uh, but my parents got divorced um, when I was just starting high school. And that was, yeah, that was big. Like that was big in our family, but even that was big in our church. Like our church didn't know how to deal with that. Um, 
And so that was a pivotal moment in our in our in my life, in our family's life, and that also something that I'm kind of grateful for experiencing it now because you know the amount of kids that I work with uh, or youth that I work with who come from single parent homes, like going through that myself allowed me to see again the world and, and life through um through a different lens and so um yeah i finished school there i went to university there um and then moved to england um and lived in england for about i think 11 years and then i've been in canada for for 10 for 10 years now yeah. and can i ask so what brought you to canada mm-hmm. Man, I'm I'm fighting. I'm resisting the temptation to say an airplane because um, I've used that so many <laughs> times. Um, but to be honest, uh, yeah, like I'd been in England. Um, I had just man, we'd only been married less than a year, so it was kind of a crazy thing to even consider. But I just, I actually remember like uh, uh, maybe a week before. Um, our wedding, like my my mom had come from South Africa, and so she was staying with me, and so. Um, yeah, like I, it's weird. Like my mama is someone, she, you know, she wouldn't be someone I would naturally go to for advice. But if I had to ask one person on this earth who I was like, man, if I ask them for prayer and I know they're going to pray, it'd be like my mom, like hands down. And so I remember talking to her mm-hmm. um, and just kind of saying to her like, hey, like I don't want you to say anything, but like I feel like I, there's going to be a change. Like I feel like you know, what I, what I was doing, I feel like there's going to be a change and I don't know what that is, but I want you to pray for me. And so I was at that point, I was running a sports ministry, uh, football ministry, uh, which was going really well. Like it had, you know, within three or four years, it had gone from like, you know, myself and, and someone else that started it to like 50, 60 volunteers every week. Um, but my role had changed from like working with youth, working with, um, I was involved with a professional a club as well, working with players, um, to to then like just managing people like I kind of had become yeah where I just kind of manage people and manage the organization and so that wasn't wrong but I at that point I just felt like um there needs there there could be a change and so I'd ask my mom Mm -hmm. to pray and then been thinking about it and different things happened where yeah I just sensed God was like was calling us to something new um i i felt straight away that it was it wasn't going to be like down the road it wasn't going to be you know a half an hour down the road from us in england like i felt like it was going to be somewhere else in the world and when i was a teenager i had a couple of experiences but like like you know tangible experiences where i i sense god say like your uh you know your future is going i'm going to use you uh to work with young people around the world like that was very clear. I mean, I try to fight it at times, but that was very clear. And so, yeah. And so I started kind of conversations with different people. Um, a guy who was actually my mentor back in South Africa, who had, uh, he'd actually moved to Toronto, uh, maybe four years before that. And so we were, to- you know, we were talking and then he said, have you ever considered Canada? I'm like, no. Um, and so he, yeah, he just started chatting and then he told me about a few organizations, one of them being YFC. And at that point I didn't work for YFC at all. I didn't really know much about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he told me about it. And and so I ended up kind of just, you know, following up on some, uh, like on some, uh, links that he had sent me. And then I, I somehow connected with YFC London. It was really random. And I ended up seeing an ad that apparently was like three years old 
um, but got connected to someone here and then we just started swapping emails and then yeah like a long story short we started skyping like what you what what, what was zoom i don't know what happened to skype during covid come on like skype you had yeah. you had an opportunity anyway uh so we ended up skyping like i remember skyping with with james who's now my boss here at yfc london like he i remember skyping with him and i didn't even have a video like i didn't even have video on my on my laptop like i remember like that's how it wasn't black or white or anything you know but uh it was uh yeah we didn't even have video so it was purely just voice that was our first mm. skype and then we probably skyped every other week for like a few months and so eventually um you know my role op like it, it opened up where like I had spoken to my, you know, kind of my leader or my boss in England and was like, hey, I told him how I was feeling. And then they kind of gave me their blessing to be like, hey, like if this is, you know, if you feel God's, you know, leading you in a different direction, like let's talk about it. And so long story short, mm. it took about maybe four or five months through that process. And then, and then, mm -hmm. uh, you know, talking to wives in London and then they offered me an opportunity to come. And then it took us another like three or four months to figure out uh, like immigration and paperwork. And, yeah. and actually we were meant to go to South Africa on vacation in that gap. So it actually worked out perfectly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's how, that's wow. how we ended up. And I knew nothing about London, Ontario. Like the only thing I knew about London, Ontario was, there was a, a musician that I started to follow maybe a year before that, a guy called Shadrach Kabango that changed, like, eventually became Shad. But he was the only person that I knew or anything that I knew about London, Ontario. <laughs> I knew nothing about it, like, honestly. Um, so when we came, we had zero, like, zero expectation, really. Like, we didn't really know what to anticipate. We heard that everyone in Canada was really nice um, and apologetic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of the stereotype. That's what we heard. But we didn't really know anything else. Like, I thought, I thought we could go to, like, Vancouver on the weekend. Like, every now and again, we would just go for the weekend. Um, like, honestly, like, I, I don't know what's so funny, but... I like I honestly thought like every now and again like a few times a year we would just like we would just go for the weekend like just go to Vancouver because on the map it's just like you know on in, in England you can drive from the bottom of England to the top of England in like in your lunchtime you know what I mean like it is <laughs> it's so small um so part of me yeah I didn't know enough about about Canada I was like okay I know Vancouver's on the other side of Canada but like really how big can Canada be <laughs> and then when we got here I was like okay and then I realized that like flying to Vancouver you might as well fly back to England you know like in terms of distance and even in terms of cost mm. so um yeah so 10 years later I haven't been to Vancouver I'll put it that way um <laughs> but uh yeah that's amazing wow I there's so much Jay there's so much here I think when my mentor she's lovely she's 70 she often says Jen the greatest adventure is living for the Lord and so as you're sharing that I'm like wow like yeah, like I just it's so cool to hear more about your story and how you got connected with YFC. And like, I think maybe I met one person who um, said like, yep, like I ended up at YFC because I saw a job posting and then I applied and then I got it. Um, so to hear the process of how you came to Canada, but then how you started at YFC is really, really 
Like it just, yeah, I think I'm just kind of blown away by God's goodness and faithfulness and just the way that he leads us in different ways. So yeah, thanks no so worries. much for I mean, I, th- I think like honestly, that. like as I, you know, as I said, I've been reflecting a lot over the last year and, and obviously through COVID, um, one of the things I, I, I gave someone advice, I can't remember who it was, and I never like giving advice because I just think like, you know, why? Like I've been given so much bad advice. So I'm like, don't, <laughs> don't give out advice, don't do it. But I do think that like mm. you never know where a phone call, a text, or an email could end up. Like literally, like there's so many things that have happened mm. in my life, like so many great things, um, and like opportunities that happen just because like I sent an email, like because I, I I sent a random email to someone, mm. um, I, like this. I mean, this sorry, this is something I thought about the other day. So I got a uh, when I was in England, um, I kind of got to know this guy a bit who was a. a, a he supported the same football club, but, uh, he was, uh, he was a Christian and he was like just a good guy. And he was, um, he was like a businessman and, uh, we started talking and then he would fly to the city and sometimes watch games. And so we kind of got to know each other and, you know, we found out we kind of had a shared faith and, you know, he would sometimes pray with us before games with some of the players and yeah, I got to know him. I got to know his family. I went out and I spoke at his church and then, uh, 2010 was the world cup in South Africa. And, uh, yeah. And so we, we were chatting and, and um, I wanted to go home, you know, to South Africa. And obviously I wanted to go to the World Cup, right? I've been to a few World Cups now. And then uh, and then he said to me, he's like, hey, he's like, I really want to go to the World Cup. I've never been. And I'm like, okay. He's like, hey, if you take me with you to South Africa, I'll pay for your flight and I'll get us tickets to games. I'm like, okay, like I, you don't even have to finish your sentence. Like, let's go. Um, but you know what, what happened was, so he also, um, when we were there, like, uh, he was interested to see like some of the churches and he wanted to see like some kind of ministry involvement. And so I took mm-hmm. him, I got connected through my mom of all uh, places. My mom had <laughs> sent me an email once about this soccer ministry that was running in this, um, like in a really tough part of Cape Town, like really tough, um, you know, similar to where, you know, my, my myself or my family grew up. And this guy was doing amazing things with the soccer ministry and with guys who were ex-criminals um, or who were criminals. Like, like it was amazing. Anyway, we, we end up going there uh, to Cape Town. We go to the World Cup. Amazing. Uh, the best. But we end up going to meet this uh, this guy and his ministry. Um, and since then, like, so what's happened since then is uh, my friend got connected with them. He's been supporting that ministry since then. And I would say in the last 10 years, like he has raised over easily over a hundred thousand pounds for that organization. Um, and he has been there. He's probably been there 10 times since then. Um, and he's taken, like, he's gone over with his son, with his daughter, wow. with his wife, their family. He has seen my family more than I've seen my family because he has visited there so much. And, like, <laughs> God just moved his heart. And so he's been, like, a wow. part of that ministry. Um, and, and so, yeah, like, so I would say, like, never, yeah, you never know where, like, a phone call, an email, meeting someone random, you never know what it's going to lead up to, you know. And so uh, I would say, mm-hmm. like, to anyone, because I don't give advice, is, like, like you never know like you you never know and so like always be almost be alert like always be aware because like god is um like god is in the simple things and and in conversations we don't even think about or worry Mm -hmm. about and through you know me getting to know him um which i you know kind of happened randomly and then we end up going and his life got changed like his heart got moved you know and so i was kind of like thinking like wow like who would have would have known you know like mm. i just wanted to eat bry and watch some soccer you know what i mean like uh 
And so, yeah, and like, like I said, his life, his family's life, mm. and, and even others in England who then supported that ministry and still do today, lives have changed. And mm. so, um, but I think, like, like you said, like your journey, like your life could, yeah, just so many things could happen, just following up on things and, and just, I guess, treating people right. You know, you just never know. You never know what, what God's mm. doing or what God's doing in someone else's heart or mind. So good. So good. So I kind of want to, like, obviously you're involved at YFC. Tell us a little bit about your own faith journey. Like, how did you come to know Jesus? When did you decide to commit your life to him? Uh, So like I said, I grew up in the church. Um, So church was very much, uh, I'd almost say it almost was like a cultural thing within my family. Like it was just a given. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and like my family were very involved. So like, uh, you know, my dad was a, an elder or deacon. Like our church is proper traditional, like, yeah, proper <laughs> traditional. Um, so I like, I don't like these memories, but I have memories of like wearing a bow tie to church with like shorts and long <laughs> socks. Like, I don't like to talk about it. I can't believe I actually mentioned it on this podcast, but. Uh, we'll edit it out. Yeah, like our church was proper traditional. So you, you kind of dressed up mm. for church. And so, um, yeah, that was part of normal life. Like our family would have like a a monthly prayer meeting. Like I Like, yeah, I just think of things in my childhood that I thought were normal. Uh, but mm. like now again, I'm, and at times I'm like, man, are we going again? Like on Friday, are we going again? But like now I'm like, man, that was that was the best. What a great heritage, you know, like what a great thing that mm. my family mm. gave me. Um, anyway, um, so in church, like I always, you know, the concept of God or, or following God, it, to me, it, it kind of it kind of made sense. And I heard people talk about it. I heard it, but it, it, it made sense, but it wasn't real. And then um, what actually happened was, so my sister's older than me. Um, she ended up going on a youth camp at one point. And uh, like we were never like growing up, like obviously we used to fight and, you know, the normal, normal kind of sibling thing. But we were never really close, like growing up. But I remember just her coming back from this camp. And then like for months afterwards, I was like, man, like she's different, like legit, like she's acting differently. Like I could, I sense something different. And then she started going to this youth group and then um, they do this annual camp uh, between um, Boxing Day and New Year's Day. Now it's South Africa, so it's sunshine. It's not, it's not snow. It's like proper hot, like it's (laughs) proper nice. So our denomination Mm -hmm. of our church would run this camp every year from Boxing Day till New Year's Day, like a week. And so my sister, that's the camp she went on. And she was like, hey, you should go. Like, you should go. And so I was like, no. And then I eventually said yes. And then on the day we went, like, we arrived at the campsite. And um, I can't remember who dropped us off. It was my mom or my dad. And then I remember being like, nah, like, I want to go home. Like, this isn't for me. Um, And then I ended up staying. And I was still pretty young. Like, most people were older than me. But, um, yeah, I was on this youth camp. And this guy just kind of spoke. And he spoke about, you know, you know, following Jesus and, and there were different sessions every day. And then there's just one day he spoke and he just said, Hey, like, you know, he kind of said if, if anyone wants to follow Jesus or know more about it, um, and learn about what that is, like, uh, I want to pray for you. Um, if you want to kind of make a, if you want to make a decision to do that. And, and yeah, I remember just kind of standing up and just being like, yeah, like this, this makes sense. Um, so that I would say like, that was the start of my journey. And, and, and obviously it's been perfect since then. Like I've never made a mistake, um, um, in the last three minutes. No, like it's, it's been nothing but 
imperfect. Like, mm-hmm. it's been, at times, horrible. At times, amazing. Um, at times, frustrating. And at times where I'm like, man, why, why would God not just give up on me? Like, I, I'm a screw-up, you know? And I mm-hmm. think... And that was more, honestly, like those moments were more when I was in ministry, you know, where I felt like, hey, God's supposed to be using me. God's called me. Like, so why do I keep screwing? Why do I keep screwing this up? Um, But I realized that, like, that's exactly the journey. Like, I I realized that, like, following Jesus is, um, it's because he's faithful, not because I'm faithful, you know? And so, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of the start of the journey. And then I've had you know, moments afterwards or days afterwards where I was like, Hey, I've got to come back to this. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting distracted. I'm, I'm getting caught up in other things and I have to come back to like, Hey, I've Mm -hmm. got to make sure I'm following Jesus and not just going to church for the sake of it. And so, um, yeah, that like I said, that was the start of my journey. And, and actually what happened, I'll tell you a quick story. I had no connection to YFC at all uh, in South Africa, except one time. And so I was at my church and they had like a like a mission service or something. And there was a guy from YFC um, who was going to speak. And again, I knew nothing about the organization. And so he spoke and he spoke about Youth for Christ across Africa and in South Africa and across the world. And I was just sat there like it was a Wednesday night. I'm like, yeah, I'm just there. Like, I'm just there. And so, but then at one point he says, uh, he's like, hey, I don't normally do this, but I believe that God's, um, you know, there's someone in the service, there's a young person in the service and God's calling you to mission. Like God is calling you to mission and I want to pray for you. Um, and I, I just want you to stand up. Like I remember just, and that never happened in my church. Like my church went like, they were like, you know, th- that was that wouldn't happen in my church. Anyway, <laughs> so, but it, it, honestly, like it feel like it felt like, it felt like electricity. Like it felt like, like I felt like electricity in my legs where I just stood up. Like I, I almost like I wasn't in control of it. Like I just stood up and he called me to the front and he prayed for me. He chatted to me afterwards. Uh, his name was Wesley. And it turned out that he ran uh, YFC in Cape Town. And I think in South Africa at one point. And um, wow. that was my only connection with, with YFC ever um, until I started at YFC in London in Canada. And, uh, yeah, like, I'll never forget that. And, and that was real. Like, that was, I'll never forget that moment. Um, and uh, another, uh, sorry, I got stories, but I'll tell you something else that happened. So literally <laughs> ten, 10 years later after that moment, okay, 10 years later, and I kept in touch with Wesley a little bit, and he had since left YFC. And I was at this, uh, this meeting. This is in England now. I'm in the city, and someone from my church was like, hey, you got to meet this, uh, this girl. Like, she's involved. She wants to get involved in sports ministry. So I ended up meeting her. She came to one of our meetings and we chatted and she's like, awesome. And she's like, she played uh, rugby, but she wanted to like get involved in, in more sports. Media. And at one point she's just like, hey, I'm thinking of going to South Africa. Like I felt God call me. She said like, I've always had this stirring or this thing about going to South Africa. So she's like, I might go to Cape Town. And I was like, hey, if you ever go, like I'm gonna, I'm, I'll try and connect you with someone or whatever. She ends up going. Wesley uh, was now pastoring a church in another part of Cape Town. They met. She lives in South Africa now, still. Like, she went and she stayed. And she helped run, a, like, a ministry in South Africa. She used sports. She married a South African. She worked with Wesley's church for, like, I think almost 10 years. And she lives there now. Like, wow. Yeah, and again, that was like an email. Someone was like, hey, you got to meet you got to meet her. Like, you got to meet this girl. She was at the local university. Wow. She wasn't even from the city that I lived in in England. Um, 
And we, like I said, we swapped some emails. She came to a meeting. We spoke. And then I was like, hey, I, I can. And she was like, do you have anyone you can connect me to? And I connected her to Wesley. Like, just a random, like, intro. Boom. Rest, like, the rest is history. Like, that, even now I think about it, I'm like, that's crazy. Um, but I think, yeah. you know, as I, as I, again, as I've reflected in my old age, um, I realized, because sometimes someone, and, and I've almost had sometimes that guilt, I'll be honest, like, and I, I don't think I've said this to anyone, but sometimes that guilt of, like, why did you leave South Africa? Like, why did you, mm. why would you leave? Like, why didn't you stay and help? Um, but like I said, I always felt like a strong calling, like this is, you know, that God was calling me to different places around the world. But through different people that I've met and who've then gone there and lived there, it was kind of like I felt that God almost gave me these different opportunities to connect people to where I'm from. Um, mm. And so it's, uh, and I mean, obviously we can understand how, you know, how God works and, and who he's going to mm. use or whose heart he's going to you know, stir something up in, but it's been amazing. There's been a few people who kind of have come across my path and then have either visited South Africa or then like just became passionate about it and, and are now like their lives have changed. And so it's, uh, it, yeah, like it's something that I never thought about would ever happen. And as I've looked back, I'm like, wow, there's been a few friendships, relationships that I've had of people that um, have become so passionate about the place that I'm from. And, uh, yeah, like that wasn't planned, you know, like I, I didn't know those things. And probably if I knew if, if it was planned, I would have screwed it up. I would have met them and be like, Hey, here's the brochure to Cape Town, South Africa. You should go. Like I would have messed that up, but because I didn't know they were just people, right? They were just normal people that I connected with and and spoke to and hopefully try to treat well. And then the next thing, like they, yeah, like history's changed, you know? Yeah, just pretty cool of just how random how random things can happen. You know, like I think, mm. you know, sometimes we forget that like the random is like that's where God moves, mm. like in the random, like not yeah. in the planned stuff. You know, we're so programmed, like we're so programmed as people and mm. where we, we want everything to go to, you know, to go according <laughs> to the plan. And like, yeah, no, absolutely. sometimes God's like, nah, like throw your throw your plan away. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I love hearing the stories because we get to hear like you, like your heart. I just just comes out. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but I'd love to hear, like, tell us a little bit about your role at YFC, like maybe your heart for ministry, what you do there. And yeah, whatever uh, way you want to talk about that. Uh, yeah. So like from the beginning, like uh, my so my boss, um, James, sorry, as I, as I was listening to myself, um, how many times do you use the word like, like sort yourself out anyway? Uh, so <laughs> my uh, my boss, James, like he basically took over just before I came. So he kind of took over a reset okay. of the chapter in London. And so I was part of a new team um, where, you know, most things had stopped and we were literally kind of setting the re- reset button. And so to be honest, when I came in, like I had just been running a, uh, like a soccer, a football ministry in England. Um, and I'd been involved in like two or three different pioneer type um, situations, um, uh, you know, starting something new. And also I'd been a, mm-hmm. a youth pastor uh, at a church. And so when I came, like, I thought that like, I was going to come in and just be involved in like some sort of soccer ministry and get that going. Cause in London, they had just built this world-class uh, soccer facility, which is five minutes from here. And so when I came, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I did. And I came in and I ran some, th- some things 
and they mostly failed to be honest like they mostly sucked like i made mistakes i was just like what are you doing um but again i had like i had a plan i like these i'm going to do this this and this and people are going to respond like this this and this and then things are going to take off and it didn't happen like that and i don't know why i was surprised um but like why i was really really fortunate was like james um like he allowed he gave us margin to make mistakes he gave us margin to be like hey like mm-hmm. just take time to um to figure this out um and so i had a again a pivotal moment in my life uh what being here cuz i i was going and i was getting frustrated and i was like why are things not working out and like my goal or my my uh ministry directive basically from YFC was to use sports to connect in the community and establish like a community-based uh, sports program um, that will lead to, um, you know, uh, connecting kids to, to Jesus, to faith, um, to discipleship, um, but basically using sport to, to build relationships, to tell kids or let them know who Jesus is or who God is. And so, uh, but yeah, things were, things were not working. And to be honest, my first year, like it was super hard. And, um, and then I met this, uh, this guy who'd been in ministry here in our city for a long time. And he just said to me, he just said, listen, Jay, he said, like, if you want to do this, if you really want to build something, you got to be patient and you got to be like, be faithful, just keep showing up. Um, and he said, even in the schools, he was like, you know, the school situations change. You just got to be present and be available for when things do open up. And, and then he was, one thing he said to me was, uh, if you want to work in the community, don't drive. He's like, don't drive. You need to walk. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when you drive, you miss out on conversations. When you drive, you miss out on people. Mm. You don't hear convers- you know, you don't hear people, you know, talking about this or having questions about that. You don't smell the food that people are making in their homes. Um, so he was like, walk, like walk the neighborhood, like see who live there, like see who the people are. But don't drive around in your car expecting to know the community. Uh, and it was pretty random advice, but like brilliant, brilliant advice. And so eventually I got connected in the school and got to know some of the youth. And then what I quickly found out was actually that in that community, basketball was like there were a lot of the um, boys, like high school boys and elementary school boys who were into basketball. And so instead of me coming with my idea of like, hey, we're going to run this and the soccer thing, whatever, it's like, who are the people and what do they actually want? And like, what are they interested in? And so that's kind of how we also started the Compass uh, Basketball Ministry was by by a random moment where I was talking to the, these guys, these high school boys, and, and they were like, yeah, we've got nowhere to play. Like, we don't have the wires like, you know, so far away and we have to pay 10 bucks to use it um, each time. We can only go free on a Friday. Like, we've got nowhere to play. So I said, hey, if I can get you a gym here in the community, would you guys come? And they're like, yeah, I think the other guys would come too. And so I got my colleague at the time, Luke, and I said, hey, we're going to get this church gym. And like, it it wasn't the greatest gym. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it was concrete floor. It had like cracks in the middle. You'd like make a layup and slide for the next seven minutes across the floor. Like, it was. (laughs) But but I I asked this church and I was like, yeah, you can use a gym. So I got it one time in the summer, one day. Um, Remember, it was three o'clock and we invited, I think I knew these three or four guys and they said they're going to invite their friends. So it was like, 2.45, 2.45, we were in the gym. Luke and I were there. We, like, we just prayed, and there was, like, three guys in the gym. And we were like, oh, man, like, we don't know. You know, we don't know if this is going to work. At 3.15, there were, like, 35 guys in the gym. Wow. And they had all walked there or rode their bikes. No one was dropped off. Mm-hmm. Like, walked or rode their bikes. And then they came, and, and they were like, what do we do? And I'm like, 
mm, I don't know, let's play. And so we kind of just let them play and we kind of sorted teams. And at the end of it, they were like, hey, can we come back tomorrow? And I was like, I don't know. I asked the church and they said, yeah, we came back tomorrow. That happened almost every day for that whole summer. Um, wow. and, uh, and we got to the end of the summer and they were like, what do we do? You know, what's going to happen? And honestly, I was like, I don't know. Like I, I hadn't even thought ahead because I was so like, we were just enjoying the moment and getting to know these guys that we hadn't even thought ahead. And so then I went <laughs> to the church and we ended up setting up something and be like, Hey, we'd like to set something up here. Could we use it in the evening during school time in the evenings? And the church were like, yeah. And I said to the church is like, Hey, here's your opportunity to connect with youth in the community. And yeah, and that and we kept. That's kind of how we started. Um, and the church we used was Compass Church, and the boys actually called it Compass. Like it wasn't like some deep and meaningful like burning bush moment where like we should call it Compass. It wasn't that. It was the boys <laughs> called it Compass because it was in the church, and they thought that was my church because I organized it there. Um, but that's how it started. Um, and later on, later on, we ended up using. I started using the tagline uh, Compass Basketball using using uh basketball to give direction uh in the lives of young people mm. but um but there was no like there was no burning bush moment about the compass thing that was the name of the church and the boys <laughs> called it that um and so that's kind of how it started and like honestly the three volunteers that i uh, started with in that year like they are still they are still our volunteers now and like uh and i could go mm. on about them because they're like just legends legendary um but that's uh yeah so that's kind of Again, a long version of a short question you asked me, um, but my role was really to to use sport to connect in the community mm-hmm. um, and to develop uh, mentoring and discipleship relationships um, through that. And so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's grown and evolved and changed and failed and started again and grown and uh, in that in the last you know eight nine years, um, but that's uh, that's where we're at. I love number one what you're doing and number two did I see somewhere that one of your athletes is playing for team Canada is that was that yeah sure yeah so last year um yeah team yeah so he played uh team Canada U16 at the uh, the FIBA world championships yeah it's ridiculous like it's even that like we started just like I said we just started playing pickup like that's all it was like it was just like connect with guys give them a give them a space and it became their own and we Mm. did that for a couple of years and it kept growing like we would have a ton of guys but what happened was we it was it, it was too many guys and we were too few volunteers and we were having the same small talk every week and we were like we need to we want to mm. establish like mentoring relationships um and we took guys to raptors games like i'll tell a quick story like we drove to a raptors game i i was like driving for the second time ever to toronto so i didn't even know what the garden expressway was i was like this is crazy like people are driving like who are these people anyway and we drove and i remember saying to the guys in the van and we had like i don't know 10 guys going to a raptors game at that time the raptors were terrible so the tickets were cheap it was awesome um and so i remember saying to them like hey there's the you see on tower like going oh there's a cn tower head some of the guys had never seen the CN Tower. And and I was the tourist. Mm-hmm. Like, I was the guy who had just come from England. You know what I mean? And so I quickly realized yeah. that, like, some of these experiences that we take for granted, like, for other people, it's not. You don't. Uh, that's not for granted. Like, it's new. And so we try to do those things, like, going to Raptors games or, you know, even when we take some of our teams now. Um, you know, we took a t- some one of our teams to Chicago a few years ago and, like, 
yeah, they got to play basketball. And it was a great event and, you know, trying to play in front of college coaches and all that. But the best part was like the Sunday morning walking through downtown Chicago and walking mm. down the magnificent mile and the, the bean, like seeing the bean. And for the guys just to see like, man, there's, there's, a, there's a world out there. Like there's, a, there's more to this than London, Ontario or Toronto mm. or Listwell, Ontario. Like there's a world out there. And actually like this is for you. Like you can do anything. Like you could you could be you could you could do anything like this world is is out there like it is literally a plane or a train or a car journey away and and not just about like them being basketball players and going well if you get a scholarship you can go do this it's like no like you could work hard in school and do something and and get a job in that or you don't even have to go to university but you could still end up doing great things like it's not just about there's only one path to you know being significant or being successful um but uh, yeah, sorry. So Shaw, yeah, one of our guys, Team Canada. Um, he's at a, you know, a private school in uh, New Jersey right now. Like it's crazy. And we have, we have a bunch of guys. We have a couple of kids in North Carolina. We had a kid in Florida uh, last year. Um, guys playing university basketball. And that was honestly that was never that was never the plan. Like that happened by default. And someone even said the other day they were like, "Well, Compass or YFC is not about elite sports." And I was like, "Yeah, it's not." But, like, if the kids work really hard, it's not us who's elite. Like, we don't do anything special. But, like, if these boys, like, if they want to work hard and they want to chase something that they really want, then I don't know if that's elite, but that's, like, that's real life, you know, when someone's life has changed like that. And so, again, if we can represent uh, Jesus on the way, and so, um, you know, being that example to them and sharing with them, um, you know, through... You know, it's it's not always about like, you know, maybe how I grew up in where like youth ministry was always about like a Bible study or this or that. And it's like what I've learned to do also, sometimes it's about a Bible study. Sometimes it's about um, let's look at what, you know, scripture says about this. But what young people are also really trying to read is us. Like they're trying to read you. And and Paul mm-hmm. talks about that way. It's like we are living epistles. Like we are living letters that people want to read because in 2022 in Canada, like people are not open up the Bible to like find out who mm-hmm. Jesus is, um, but they can read us. And so, you know, that's what we've been trying to do is really giving, giving the youth an opportunity to read people, like to read us and mm-hmm. to see what they read, like to see what they say. Um, and through the stuff that we do, through how we care for them. Um, and obviously, you know, we have times where we share faith and we've done things where we go to Muskoka Woods and we have a week and we, we you know, we have devotions and, and all these amazing things. But, you know, more than anything, like the youth want, like, like anyone, like you want authentic relationship. You know, people want, yeah. um, people want to be challenged. People want to be connected to someone uh, and people want something to believe in uh, and someone that will believe mm-hmm. in them. And I think, uh, yeah, I think those things, if you can do those things, I mean, compass could be flower arranging. It really doesn't matter. Like basketball is not, like a like a spiritual thing it's just that this is what it's it's the connection it's what they love um and then we are providing people in their lives that believe in them and then telling them also about someone to believe in too uh and so like i said it could be flower arranging like it could be anything that you're passionate (laughs) about and you can find um someone else that likes the same thing um and it, it becomes ministry, you know, like our concept of what ministry is, I think sometimes is so like we miss the point, you know, like I think we can mm-hmm. miss the point. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, like honestly, what we've done is just like try to 
connect with guys, try to show them that we care for them, and then tell them that there's someone else greater than us that cares even more about them. Um, and then challenge them along the way. And so now we have guys training, we have different teams, you know, guys who've got opportunities to, you know, to play university. And, and we're still pretty young, you know, like some most of the guys we started off with just graduated this last year. Um, and so guys like wow. Shah, who's playing Team Canada, like we, I saw him in grade seven. So he's in grade 10 now. I saw him in grade seven. Um, and he was bigger than me at that point already. But like he couldn't make a layup. Like he... He couldn't make a layup. Like he didn't know how to do any of it, and 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 sometimes it was hard for him because everyone expected him to be, you know, like an NBA star. And he was like, "Hey, I'm just learning this myself." Now you fast mm-hmm. forward, and and you know, opportunities for him and and the other boys in the program too, where things are, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Sometimes I'm like, "Wow, like how did this all happen?" Um, but honestly, like none of it was planned. Um, I've had volunteers mm-hmm. that were just so faithful. Like they have been the best part of what we've done. Um, they've been so faithful and they've given of themselves. And I also had to realize that like, I had some really good volunteers that I sometimes had to get out of the way and let them lead. Um, and I was actually mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, I was getting in the way or slowing things down. Um, and when I kind of learned that lesson, um, it changed. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's it's been a crazy journey. Like it's been ups and downs and, and different turns and I still don't feel like I feel like we're just getting started to be honest like it's um it's something where also when you're bringing in new groups you you're almost just starting again you know and so like mm-hmm. I said our first group of guys were kind of graduating uh graduated in the last year um and now we've had other groups behind them and so it's um yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's um, it's a lot at times, and as you know, like sometimes <laughs> being in this and through COVID, like, man, this is no joke, man. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is hard, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, sometimes it's just showing up. Um, whether you screw yeah. it up doesn't really matter. Just just keep showing up. Um, and I mm-hmm. think I think good things can happen, and God can work through us, regardless of how, you know how we are or like how we can get in the way of things um he's sovereign you know and that's uh yeah and, and i've seen that like god has worked um through people around me and, and it, through things that i've done which most of the time i got wrong or that i messed up um but he like yeah he's just he's just bigger than like he's bigger than that um so uh yeah I just have a fire in my belly. I'm like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. I, as you're talking to Jay, I think how, what a gift, like for me, I played sports my whole life. And so knowing the impact that my coaches have had in my life and to see what you're, you're doing and being their coach, but also in a sense, like being their dad is, um, I, I just, Thank you so much for what you do because it is far reaching beyond, like you said, beyond just the sport, but really pouring into these young people and um, yeah, letting your life be a testament to God's goodness. I just, it makes me so excited. <laughs> so thank you for number one, sharing this with us, but number two, for your faithfulness in Jesus and yeah, it just gets me, it just makes me so pumped. I'm just like, let's go to London now. <laughs> let's see what you do. <laughs> you know? No, but yeah. It, yeah, like I so said, thank like, you. none of it was really planned and we, it's, it's far from perfect. Like we've had, you know, we had so many yeah. things. I was like, oh man, I wish I'd gone back. And I, to be honest, like I've had moments where, a lot of moments where I've looked back at some of the guys 
like when we first started, we had a group of older guys who were about to graduate that year in those couple of years. And actually, I can tell you stories of like guys we weren't able to connect with that have gone down the wrong path. I can tell you a lot of stories mm-hmm. of that. And, mm-hmm. and so it's not, I mean, I know you guys know this, but it's not about like success. It's not about like these success mm-hmm. stories because mm-hmm. um, like we really don't know. And, and like I said, there's stories of guys who we try to connect with. Like we try to like, hey, we're doing this. And, and, and so there's, I have so many stories of frustration of like, man, we never got to connect with this guy. And now, you know, they kind of mm. gone down the wrong path. And, and sometimes that can feel, you know, you can have moments of, of like guilt or shame where you're like, man, why didn't I do a better job? And um, and, and that's the reality, you know. And so um, mm-hmm. as much as it's the story of like guys who are doing well and, oh, you have a kid that's, you know, playing Team Canada, like that's okay. But really, mm-hmm. like it's obviously much more than that, you know, and, and, and those – I read this book uh, without, and we read it with our, our coaches too, actually. And and he talks about, uh, and he's a coach, um, and and he was saying that people often ask him, "Hey, coach, how's your team this year? How are your boys looking?" And he and he says like, "Ask me in about ten years. Ask me in twenty years, because then I can really tell you how they're doing and or how I've done mm-hmm. as a coach." And I and that's one thing that I've had to mm-hmm. get my head around that like what I see right now in front of me and with like working with a 15 or 16 or 17 or 18 year old um young man it's just now but who he is in five years or who he is in 10 years time that's what i really need to be invested in and so um yeah and and that's not easy to always see because we can get frustrated in the present and we can you know we're like why are they not getting this why is this and but I like reading that book and talking to the other coaches and and also you know now talking to guys who um, I coached when I was younger. Do I have time for a quick story? Like, this is actually one of my favorite. Uh, no, just a quick one. Like, I think this, hopefully this will encourage you and just uh, something that, that happened that I, you know. Uh, so I was, when I moved to England, I got involved. With, I was working with the church, and I got involved at the school. And really my first experience of, of sports ministry in the first few years where the church really wanted to connect with this high school, but I had no way of getting in. And the, the school were kind of closed to people from the church. But so I ended up connecting with someone through the school who was like a gym teacher, um, and they needed some help. Uh, with the teams and so with the just you know every day and so I ended up going to the school saying hey like I'm happy to help out with any sessions anything and they were like well do you want to speak in assembly and I'm like no like I'm just here to help so they were kind of like surprised that I didn't kind of have like my another intention if you know what I mean I was just like hey like I'm here to serve and so I literally like just served I helped out every day for like two years um and what ended up happening was uh yeah, no, that's that's another story. While I was helping out, I met a group of like a group of boys, almost like the first group in England that I, I really coached and that I spent a lot of time with. And so this was like 2000 and man, uh, this would have been like 2005, six, I think. Um, and so a group of go- group of boys, they were like in the school, they were seen as like the naughty boys. They were like the boys that always got in trouble, <laughs> but like nothing serious. Like they weren't like serious, but just like silly things. Like one time they, um, went joyriding and like this far on this farm and they found this tractor in the field and drove it around and went joyriding and, and the police kind of found them and like, what are you guys doing? And they weren't trying to hurt anyone. They just did. They were kind of dead. One of the boys was dead to do it. 
and he jumped in this tractor and rode around on this farm. Anyway, <laughs> so they kind of had a lot of moments like that where it was just like, what are you doing? And so um, anyway, I got to know him. I coached them and spent a lot of time with them. And I remember like I remember two conversations. I remember going to a tournament and on the way on the way back, one of the boys were having breakfast and one of the boys was like, and this is the guy that used to jump in tractors. He was always the guy like he he'd be the guy to do like, don't do that. He would do that. Um, he, uh, yeah, we were, we were chatting. And then one day he was like, Hey, um, so we're having breakfast in this tournament. And he said, Hey, uh, coach, um, my parents are getting divorced. And, uh, he just started talking about it and, 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 and yeah. So we just, we just kind of chatted and we had different conversations through that time, but he was always that guy. He had that reputation. Um, and so he ended up just finishing school like they wanted to remove him from school a few times but he was like honestly like I loved him like I thought he was like I, I thought he was amazing to be honest um same guy he came to a church service once he'd never been to church before and he showed up in like a four-piece suit and like everyone else was like in shorts and t-shirt <laughs> but he didn't know like he didn't know like he just he just came anyway um so I like since then he finished school, he ended up, you know, trying to go to the Marines, different things. Things didn't work out for him. He got in trouble, like ended up going to court um, to support him once again. Nothing super serious, but like enough to be like, man, you've got to make some decisions with your life mm -hmm. here. Anyway, uh, three years ago, two, yeah, two and a half years ago, I go to England. Right. So this mm -hmm. is like 15 years later. Um, I, uh, yeah, we're, we're in England. One night, my wife and I go out, uh, like, for dinner. And we're like, hey, we're going to go in here. Like, when I have dinner, we just kind of hang out and, and kind of just go out. You know what I mean? So we go into this place. We weren't sure about if we were going to go. And so we go in. We walk in. And, like, as I'm walking through, um, like, I hear this, Jay, like, super loud, Jay, like, really loud. And I knew that voice. Like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I know that voice. And I turned around, and it was him. Like, it was him 15 years later. And he comes over, he gives me this hug, and like, like for half an hour, like all he said was thank you. Um, and it, uh, yeah, and, and my wife was like, like he was kind of like, who is this guy? And, <laughs> and then, uh, and then he was like, guess what? You know, some of the other boys were there, and so they were like, two of the other guys were there, and and they came over and they were just telling me about what they were doing in their lives, and and he was like, and so he like. Um, he kept telling me, and he must have said this to me like 10 times. He was like, Jay, I, I, I earn a hundred thousand pounds a year. Like I'm doing really well. Like I, I earn a hundred thousand pounds a year. And so he's like telling me all this stuff and like, and he's got kids and he's showing me pictures of his kids and it, yeah, it was just, and he just kept saying, thank you. Like he just kept saying, thank you. And, and I think that like, you know, when you sometimes in, in the heat of ministry or you're like you're doing stuff and you're just like, oh, man, do I have to go to youth group again or do I have to like do this? And then years later, you meet someone who you try to impact that you didn't think you were getting to. And they're just like, like, thank you. Thank you for the effect that it had. And and he started talking to me about like deeper things in life and how we seen things and and, you know, uh, faith and, and some of the other boys, too. And like one of the guys, two of them are like kind of coaching now and, and wanted to be in a school and teach and different things. And and so, you know, what we see right now is just now. We don't know in 10 years. We don't know in 15 years time. And yeah, it was just kind of, uh, yeah, that was just, it was amazing. And so, and, and he was just, uh, yeah, it was just some, it was just, again, something that was unplanned. I had no idea, but it was kind of the best, one of the best thing that's happened in the last few years to see some of those boys and just to hear their story and to hear like how God, you know, intervened in, in some of their lives too. And just to see who they are. And now they are parents and like, 
like before they were just like boys in the you know like <laughs> that we played yeah. you know like we played in the gym or like driving in the van to a tournament um it's yeah it's so bizarre i mean it makes me feel old but i also realized <laughs> that like um yeah within ministry or the when we're trying to serve or where we're trying to like reach people that we only see in the present like we only see what's here right now and we don't know what god is is still doing and that he he doesn't go to sleep like he doesn't forget mm. that will continue and so um yeah so i just say that just to encourage you or just anyone that like your you know your your passion or your sometimes your frustration in serving um and trying to reach people or like you know why aren't they getting it they don't have to get it right now mm. they don't because actually like when when i was growing up too there a lot of times i didn't get it um but but god works beyond that like and and other people will come into their lives to 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 complete that work sometimes and to keep sowing those seeds and so uh yeah i just just want to share that i don't know if that makes any sense um i took up more time but i just <laughs> no, think that um, yeah whenever you're serving and get frustrated it's okay cuz it's not really for now mm. it's not just what we see mm. right now yeah. Wow. No, I'm so glad that you took the time to share that story. That's like just just amazing mm-hmm. to see. I mean, not everybody necessarily gets to see all the fruits, but to have those reminders that, you know, you had no idea all the things that were happening in their life beyond your time with them. Yeah. And yet the Holy Spirit just continues to work through you and after you. And I just, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. And I think that kind of carries through a lot of your story. And so just thank you for all the stories and just like this. I love that like simple, like this is just God working. Like let's just live life with people. I love, love that. So uh, thank you so much for joining us and thank you yeah, for no sharing. Worries. It's amazing. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing episodes coming out every single Monday. So make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you happen to be listening on. And if you want to get more resources and information about the podcast, you can find us on socials at Just Work Friends. And uh, yeah, we're excited for some fun episodes and new seasons coming up. So make sure you take along. Until next time. Bye. That's all that there is today. Bye-bye. Have a good week.